Welcome to Sojourner Truth. Thank you for staying with us. This is your host, Margaret Prescott. Today, on our weekly broadcast, we take a deep dive into the situation on the ground in Haiti. Next month, we'll mark the 20th anniversary of the U.S., Canada, France supported coup against Haiti's first democratically elected president, Jean-Bertrand Aristide. The crisis facing Haiti today, from death squads, uh, referred to in the media as gangs, to an unelected government now in place in Haiti, cannot be separated from the 2004 coup. The instability that followed the coup is deeply connected to the United States and its allies aiming to control the presidency of Haiti. And so the efforts across political parties and varied civil society organizations on the ground in Haiti to implement a Haiti-led solution to the present crisis has been undermined by Western powers every inch of the way. And now, Guy Philippe, one of the CIA-trained leaders of the 2004 coup against Aristide, was recently released from prison in the United States. And within weeks of his release, the international mainstream media are hailing Guy Philippe as the leader of the opposition in Haiti. Who is Guy Philippe? What role has he played over the past decades in Haiti? Why is he now being heralded by the forces that be? Meanwhile, the Supreme Court in Kenya has blocked Kenya from sending Kenya police to lead a U.S. finance force on the ground in Haiti. The president of Kenya is appealing the court's decision. Why is the United States, while not committing its own troops, pressing so hard for yet another occupying force to be sent to Haiti, this time led by black nations? Our guest is Norla Dorange, a senior journalist and Haiti has been covering Haiti for uh, many years. And he currently blogs on social media about Haiti on uh, topics, including politics and culture. We live in a global world. We're all interrelated. So on Sojourner Truth, we work to bring directly to you news and views on local, national and international policies and stories that affect us all. And we draw out how those of us most impacted women, communities of color and other communities are responding. We also discuss the interrelationship between art and politics. Now for our news headlines. Security footage from a hospital in the occupied West Bank shows what appears to be Israeli forces disguised as civilian women and medical workers storming the hospital and killing three Palestinian men. Today's dramatic raid underscored how deadly violence has spilled into the territory from the war in Gaza. A hospital spokesperson said there was no exchange of fire, indicating that it was a targeted killing. Sarah Coates has more. 
Sources from inside Evansina Hospital in Janine say the undercover Israeli team entered the facility at around 5.30am local time, going room to room, before shooting dead three young Palestinian men who were asleep in their beds. According to the IDF, the men, two brothers and another person, were part of an armed Hamas group and were plotting an attack on Israelis similar to that of October 7. Hamas responding, saying the Israeli army's crimes will not go unanswered. Sarah Coates, Tel Aviv. Meanwhile, Israel's military has announced that it will review the shooting of a Palestinian man who was killed in the Gaza Strip while walking in a group of people waving a white flag. It said footage of the episode raised concerns of possible wrongdoing by soldiers. The video shows a group of five men walking down a street west of the southern city of Khan Yunis. The men hold their hands in the air and one waves a white flag. Suddenly, shots ring out, killing one member of the group. The shooter is not seen in the video, but beforehand the camera showed what looks to be an Israeli tank positioned nearby. The citizen journalist who filmed the episode said that an Israeli tank fired on the group. European Union member states have agreed to use billions of euros worth of profits from frozen Russian assets to rebuild Ukraine after the war. Ishan Garg has more. EU officials estimate 15 to 17 billion euros could be generated from frozen Russian assets for Ukraine, though the member states have not decided on a mechanism for the funds to be utilized or on a plan to deploy it. They have agreed to use the proceeds as part of their efforts to support Kyiv. More than 190 billion euros worth of Russian assets are held in Europe. EU officials are considering absorbing windfall profits from Russian assets into a separate budget for Ukraine. Analysts say simply passing the assets off to Kyiv would be legally complicated and risky. To help Ukraine's war efforts, the EU is also working on passing a 50 billion euro package to mark the second anniversary of the Russian aggression. Ishan Kerk, Brussels. An enemy drone that killed three American troops and wounded dozens of others in Jordan may have been confused with an American drone returning to the U.S. installation. That's according to two U.S. officials who were not authorized to comment and insisted on anonymity. The official said preliminary information suggests the enemy drone that struck the installation, known as Tower 22, may have been mistaken for an American drone that was in the air at the same time. The officials add that as the enemy drone was flying in at a low altitude, a U.S. drone was returning to base. As a result, there was no effort to shoot down the enemy drone. A Pakistani court has convicted former Prime Minister Imran Khan of revealing official secrets and sentenced him to 10 years in prison. It is the latest in a slew of cases that supporters say are meant to sideline the imprisoned former cricket star just days ahead of a parliamentary election. The Islamist politician was ousted in a no-confidence vote in 2022. He is not on the ballot because he is already serving a three-year prison term, and more than 150 other cases are still pending against him. He nonetheless remains a potent political force because of his grassroots following and anti-establishment rhetoric. Hong Kong has begun a public consultation on enacting its own national security law, beginning a process to implement legislation that for years was widely opposed by residents who feared the end of civil liberties. Charles de la Desma reports. Beijing imposed a national security law on Hong Kong in 2020, and a crackdown on dissent followed. Both the Hong Kong and Beijing governments have hailed the law for restoring stability. But the basic law, Hong Kong's mini-constitution, requires the city to enact its own national security law. Hong Kong Chief Executive John Lee welcomes the move. I think eventually, when, when people see that 
This law will bring security and also stability. They will love it. Li adds, we'll be confidently and rightly telling the world we're just protecting ourselves from attacks. The public consultation period begins on Tuesday and will end on February 28. I'm Charles Dilodesma. The Illinois Election Board is scheduled to consider whether to keep Donald Trump on the state's primary ballot after a recommendation he be removed over the Constitution's insurrection provision. Today's meeting of the Illinois State Board of Elections comes a little more than a week before the U.S. Supreme Court will hear arguments in a similar case from Colorado, where the state's highest court found the 14th Amendment barred the Republican former president from the ballot over his role in the January 6th attacks on the U.S. Capitol. The Illinois Election Board is split evenly between Democrats and Republicans. If the vote is tied, the effort fails and Trump's name would remain on the ballot. I'm Scott Baba for Pacifica Radio. Those were our news headlines. And now uh, we are going to be spending the hour doing a deep dive into the present situation on the ground in Haiti, what led up to it, the historic connections and much more. Um, As I said in the introduction, uh, the Supreme Court in Kenya has blocked Kenya. Kenya had offered and had agreed to send uh, police, to send troops, I suppose, you could refer to the police as troops, uh, to Haiti, and it would be financed by the United States. But the Supreme Court has now blocked it, and the president of Kenya is appealing the court's decision. And meanwhile, the crisis on the ground uh, continues. Um, We hear reports all the time about the gang violence, the insecurity in Haiti. Uh, Some are saying that they're referred to as gangs, but uh, they really are death squads, really. And the present government of Haiti, uh, headed by Ariel Henry, he is backed by the United States, but he's never been elected. Uh, So there's a lot going on. And now a former coup uh, leader in the 2004 coup is being put forward as a leader of the opposition in Haiti. So we're going to be discussing all of this with our guests. Let me welcome our guest, uh, Norla Zorange, who is a senior uh, journalist on uh, matters related to Haiti. He is currently blogging on social media about Haiti on politics, um, culture, and spirituality. Norla, thank you for joining us. Thank you for welcoming me in your show, Margaret. I am honored to be here. So, right. Well, we're we're very happy. We're very happy that you are able to um, to join us. So, let us start a little bit. Let's put what is happening now on the ground in the historic uh, context before we even get into the details of uh, Guy Philippe. Um, as I said in the intro, I don't think, and many, um, oh, some won't agree with me, but some would, that what is going on on the ground right now in Haiti is definitely we could trace it back to the 2004 coup and what that unleashed. So from your perspective, uh, uh, Norluck, um, your views on that uh, 2004 coup and you know some of the players that we all suspect and now know were you know were involved in behind that coup, Norlock. Um, 
let me allow me to to tell you that uh, the political instability that leads to that situation right now there is a mother of problems the mother of problem is a food or the lack of food so it's food insecurity that leads to uh, the general insecurity right now because in the past this problem has never been put forward by any government by any by any government so the food situation in this country has never been um attacked by the government so there's no agriculture program there's no economic program there is no population program there's nothing as policy that should let the people understand that there's a government in charge in fact in 2004 and i did the well, before 2004 or with the this movement yeah with this movement uh, that used to that came to power in 1991 this is the government that tried to that has tried to put forward those we, they call that revendication, but it's not revendication. This is the needs of the population. So that tried to put forward some programs. And then it's been blocked by a first coup in, in September 1991. So this movement that came to power in 1991 has tried again to uh, receive the backup of the of the U.S. government or the UN nation, United Nations to to go back in power in 1994. But with that time, this food program has been taken over by Mr. Clinton and they destroyed the agriculture, the, uh, the embryonic agriculture that we used to have. So they destroyed it. And at the end of the day, what was left for us? Nothing. What was left for us? Nothing. So we've been in a situation where we had to, we, we've been in, in a situation that in 2004, they, the, the exterior forces uh, combined with interior forces has used the instability again to force Aristide to go to leave the power in 2004. Now, this time again, they're using the same figures, the same people, the same actors to scare the people again. This is what is up. Right. Right, yeah, I, I, I see that. And that, that is definitely the connection. Um, the gains uh, that Aristide had uh, put in place of the 2004 coup and a statement put out by Haiti Action Committee uh, says, quote, the 2004 coup reversed these gains, meaning the gains by Aristide, and ushered in 20 years of foreign occupation, dictatorship, and terror at a wave of neoliberal economic policies that have created a, a disaster um, in uh, Haiti. And of course, you mentioned some of those uh, policies with the Clinton administration, um, really undermining and destroying the 
agricultural sector in so many ways in in, in Haiti, uh, including uh, rice, but uh, other, you know, other things as well. So, you know, following, it just seems to me, uh, Norla, because we covered the coup as it was uh, happening. And I think Bla- the late Blaise Bompain, who was a programmer on the Pacifica station, KPFK, along with me, we actually had interviewed uh, Madame Aristide uh, during that period in the lead up, the lead up to the coup. But mm. there, there's a lot of misinformation and confusion um, about that coup. I mean, I believe President Aristide, when he says he was kidnapped, um, Congresswoman Maxine Waters, at great risk, had to go to the Central African Republic, where he was whisked to, along uh, with his family, to uh, bring him back to the Caribbean region. And I recall at the time, the U.S. put a lot of pressure on Jamaica, where um, uh, President Aristide uh, was being um, hosted, basically, and to because they wanted him out of the region entirely. Uh, Norlock, before we talk about what happened since uh, 2004, do you have a view as to why the powers that be, including the U.S., considered uh, Jean Breton Aristide persona non grata? The idea was he was so popular, uh, a leader popular with the lefty, leftist background. Yeah, they don't like it, and they they helped him come back in Haiti in 1994, but they didn't want him to to be a president again. So they don't want that figure to be president again. Uh, this is the reason why. So. He's yeah. got that leftist background. This leftist background is not a good, you know, it's not a good player for them because right. uh, he can say, I don't want this. I don't want to do that. So he's not a, 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 a puppet entirely. So mm-hmm. he might be not a puppet in the hands of the, you know, white supremacist that are directing white supremacists that are directing this country we are in right now. So yeah. the black nation, the that has been the the first nation that has been uh, created after a revolution, and we overpowered the white men that enslaved us. Uh, bringing us from Africa uh, to enslave us in America, and then we overpower them at the end of a revolution of 13 years. Now, you say, this nation, we will never let this nation be a great nation. So uh, since 1804, we've been paying the price. And as of today, they are selecting a drug dealer to be our leader. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Right, Yeah, Absolutely. They are making, they're making a leader, they're making a drug dealer a leader. So the media is paying that wool, and then this is what we have right now. Yeah, 
And, you know, you uh, what you say about 1804, because we have for our regular listeners on Sojourner Truth, they know we have discussed that and discussed the, the reality that President Aristide had demanded reparations as well as restitution from France, because after the Haitian Revolution, just to remind uh, those who may not know, uh, France was forced to pay reparation. I mean, Haiti was forced to pay reparations to France. And these payments continued until really after World War II. So then the earthquake, uh, stopped, that horrific earthquake that killed so many people on the ground in Haiti, and the world saw the level of poverty in Haiti, and many, many were shocked. But there's a direct relationship with Haiti having to pay uh, reparations or restitution to France, along with the U.S. and others propping up a series of dictators like Papa Doc and, and Baby Doc, right? Mm-hmm. That had a lot to do with the, with the poverty on the ground in, in Haiti. So you're absolutely right to make that connection with with 1804. And yeah, uh, let me tell you, allow me yeah. to share something with you. Sure, Margaret. During my researches in Africa. I had I discovered in a document that with the money that they the they the they repair they pay reparation or to the we Haitian we pay money to the colonizers after our liberation after our revolution with that money the same colonizers the same colonizers they went with that money to Senegal to colonize Senegal so this wow. is the reason why. With that money, they have been able to go in in Africa and colonize Senegal. Right, is what we found. Wow, I I hadn't heard that before. I hadn't. Yeah, heard that I shared that. I break that news with you. <laughs> that is oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Um. Uh-huh. So, the you know, and the Haitian Revolution, because a lot of people say, well, Margaret, you know, why are you always going on about Haiti, and why do you think? the Western powers are really um, conspiring, because they are, to really undermine the grassroots movement on the ground. And what I hear from the grassroots movement, people say, look, we're trying to complete the revolution that we began in 1804 and has been uh, blocked on so many fronts with U.S. interventions and U.S. banks raiding the Haitian coffers and, and a lot more. But that 1804 um, revolution certainly had a huge international impact, didn't it, uh, Norlock? Um, any, yeah. any comments on that? Yeah, they build, this is what you have to understand. When you read the situation in Haiti, every single relationship that you have to, uh, every single relationship, every single route you have to look for regarding the problems of Haiti, look at look at it at the lens of racism. Because slavery was built upon racism. Organization has built upon racist, racism. So... And do not forget, this is the Catholic Church. This is the Catholic Church and the Bible who institutionalized slavery. So it was done by Christian, Catholic, European. This is them who, who came here in America and killed the Indians because they, not, they were not white. Right. 
they enslave black people because they say black people are cursed. So this is what you have to understand right now. And Haiti led a revolution that of that overcome that situation. So racism is over. Okay, we are people in Haiti, but this agenda is still going on. It's still going on. There's yeah. the they're still going on because first they they apply the same policy with uh, with Africa and Haiti. So they don't want to sell Haiti weapons to get a strong police force. They don't want Haiti to get an army. This is the same this is in the same situation they they do in Africa as well. They don't wanna sell Nigeria weapons, they don't wanna sell Mali weapons, they don't wanna sell any country's weapon. So got a weak army, got a weak police, and they can do whatever they want. This is what this is the global view of the situation. Margaret. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we also know that the Haitian army, going back historically, was established by a, a, an act of the U.S. Congress, and they very much, uh, unfortunately, acted on behalf of, of, you know, of the U.S. in so many ways. So it wasn't really a surprise when President Aristide actually disbanded that corrupt uh, military, right? Uh, but as it's you right. say... Looking at the 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 flow of weapons, certainly there are a lot of weapons that are flowing into Haiti right now because we know the impoverished people, um, uh, young men especially in these so named gangs, you know they are living in in extreme poverty. Where are they getting these high powered, expensive weapons from? So we know there is an unofficial uh, weapons flow um, into Haiti happening now. Uh, Norlock. Yes, yes, I, I I speak up against that situation uh, in 2022. Mm-hmm. I spoke I spoke against that situation. I said if the U.S. government was conducting any kind of serious investigation, they will find they, they will stop the flow of of weapon going to Haiti. Because mm-hmm. everything is under control, everything seems to be under control here in the United States. When when it comes to traffic of weapons, so if you buy if you buy a gun, if you buy a rifle, they know at the head of who this rifle is going to because they do a background check. I don't know for the state of Florida, you have to they go they do they do instant background check on you. That's one thing. Uh-huh. And in Florida, they do. They, they don't. They, even if your your background is clear, but the weapon got to be registered with the state of Florida, and then you you have to wait for three days before coming back and get that weapon. You can't. That's Florida. So I don't know for other states, but uh, this is what it is. So if they see a weapon, when they, whenever they size a weapon. Either in the dogs or at the hand of the of the dogs, they can trace the they can trace the weapon back. They can trace it. They know the dump, the serial number, and they know where where is it coming well, from. So they can trace it. They know. Well, yeah. So you're saying these all these weapons are on the ground, indeed. If the the U.S. you know really wanted to find out. 
of the truths behind it that it is possible to to trace yeah. these weapons. Yeah, and and Norla too. I I want to remind our listeners that because many people, you know, they don't quite get it. It's well, why would the United States have such a big interest in keeping Haiti down for a start? The Haitian Revolution was a huge international uh, event. Um, it led to the ending of slavery um, throughout the whole of the Americas. And, you know, Haiti was never really forgiven for that. And for a revolution like that to be a success, you know, is a blow to the co- colonial powers and, and to the, the Western powers. And there are also some resources on the ground in Haiti. And, and as you and I know, Norla, that um, in the U.S. and Canada uh, in particular, uh, Haitians fleeing extreme poverty um, to get a, you know, a better way of supporting their families, you know, are often shunted into the lowest paying jobs and, you know, and exploited. So we there are a lot of reasons that, you know, there's this Western interest to keeping uh, Haiti in in turmoil. But uh, what I'd, I'd like to do right now, actually, uh, Norlick, we're going to take just a very short station break. And when we return, we're going to uh, continue this conversation. And for a station break, uh, we'll be hearing Bob Marley's war. And uh, welcome back to Sojourner Truth. This is your host, I'm Margaret Prescott. If you've missed any part of this hour from 10 this morning for 90 days after that, just go to kpfk.org, scroll down to archives, click on Sojourner Truth. You'll be able to hear the show in its entirety and you can subscribe for a free podcast. Um, Check us out on Facebook. Just look for Sojourner Truth with Margaret Prescott. And the show is heard nationwide and worldwide 24-7 on SoundCloud. It's a free download. You can just uh, go to SoundCloud and search for Sojourner Truth with Margaret Prescott. And today I'd like to give a shout out to our SoundCloud listeners in the state of North Carolina. And internationally, I'd like to give a shout out to our SoundCloud listeners throughout the Caribbean region. And today we are doing a um, a one hour special uh, on uh, Haiti. And uh, we're also going to uh, drop in our weekly Earth Minute. Our weekly Earth Minute is back. So we're going to play our weekly Earth Minute and then we're going to return to our guests on Haiti's. February 3rd will mark the one-year anniversary of a Norfolk Southern train carrying hundreds of thousands of gallons of hazardous chemicals derailing in East Palestine, Ohio. The chemical spill was intentionally ignited, releasing a huge toxic plume, but the EPA insists that the air and water quality were not compromised. Residents have reported serious illnesses that they believe are the result of exposure to these chemicals. As residents seek to understand what they have been exposed to, the community invited Scott Smith, CEO of U.S. Biosolutions, an independent testing expert to test the soil and water of East Palestine. Smith asserts that he is being attacked by EPA officials. He has also been subpoenaed by Norfolk Southern in what has been described as an attempt to intimidate him. This alleged attempt to silence and intimidate residents is emblematic of an environmental protection agency that often acts as a public relations arm for corporate polluters. 
for the Earth Minute and the Sojourner Truth Show. This is Steve Taylor from Global Justice Ecology Project. All righty, that was our weekly Earth Minute. And now I'd now like to return to our in-depth discussion on Haiti. I'd like to welcome back our guest, Arnaud Durange, who is a senior journalist. He's covered uh, Haiti for uh, quite some time now, and in particular, uh, politics, culture, and spirituality. So, uh, Norlick, uh, welcome back. And earlier mm-hmm. in the show, we, we were putting kind of what is happening on the ground now in historic context, the Haitian Revolution, all of the interventions by Western powers that have happened in Haiti, the fact that uh, France demanded um, Haiti pay uh, them uh, reparations for the, basically the loss of their slave labor, if you would believe this, and also for the cost of the war where the Haitians twice actually defeated uh, France, first Napoleon, and then he sent his brother-in-law de Klerk uh, to kind of clean up the mess in Haiti, and the Haitians defeated him as well, leading for the ending of slavery throughout the Americas. And Haiti also offers support to Bolivar um, in his fight for liberating Latin America and twice gave Bolivar refuge and then sent Haitian fighters and weapons uh, back to uh, Latin America for that fight. But um, Norlock, we're going to fast forward a little bit now because, well, a bit, because this uh, man, Guy Philippe, that we're hearing so much about now, he's being propped up in the press uh, as the leader of the opposition. Um, and this is just really weeks, <laughs> it seemed to me, anyway, after he was released to a U.S. prison and and went back in Haiti. And, and a lot of people thought, well, he was there to do a particular job. But tell us about the early role of, before even we get to today, of Guy Philippe. What uh, about this guy? Um, his role in the 2004 coup or anything else you could tell us about his historic role in Haiti. Okay, let me let me go to his really background as a young officer arriving directly from the military or police academy from Ecuador. So he came in 1996. So he joined the security Office of President of the, of the Presidential Palace. He was member of the USP Unite of Presidential Security, and then I, I remember one day I spoke to him. He, he was speaking with me, so we we got a ch- we got a chat, a conversation, and then he told me, I, "I'm not gonna stay here. I'm not gonna stay here in this palace. That is the way to make money here." I said, "What?" So, and then he said, he told me at that time that he got, uh, what he call Godfather. So I would call Godfather is, is kind of, is someone who will be well-placed in the police. And it happened to be the former, uh, currently defect, uh, director, uh, national, general director of the national police, uh, Pierre Denise was his man godfather. So 
He's a good godfather, and he's Pierre So when he will come, director of the national police, I will be a commissaire. So I will be a commander. And this is when I was so surprised. I don't see him at the palace anymore. And then a couple of months after, I we went to some places in Wanamant. Went to Wanamant. And when we went to Wanamant for an inspection, and I saw him as a as the commander of the of the police block in of Wanamant. And then this is a place close to the border and this is the water corruption has come. So then he came he became and a couple of months after he became uh chief of police of Delma. So commissaire of Delma. And oh. this is when the the in Guy Phillips start to pop up because he was the one who started doing some kidnapping. He was protecting drug dealers. He was working hand to hand with the representatives of the drug Colombian drug cartels in Delma. And he initiated some death squad. So we've been able to report him, but the guy, the the, the general director of the police at the time, he get covered by him. So he performed some kidnapping and his men, <clears throat> his good friend was conducting some type dirty of some type of dirty business at the hotel La, uh, Le Chandelier at Delma Trentois. So they got uh, what we call a prostitute center. They hired them from the Dominican Republic, and over there also this is where they can. They, so Giffy <laughs> has been able to supervise the the judgment of. Those the judgments is what what I call judgment is that underground judgment of those who are stealing cocaine from the drug cartels. Okay. So they this is the inside this hotel that they use to judge them and kill them. So he was wow. the supervisor of the situation of wow. torture center. So detention underground. So illegal and so this is that that place that place at the time. Um, no, no, look, no, look, hold that thought. I just want to remind our listeners that this is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. We're doing a deep dive into Haiti and the situation on the ground uh, right now. And some of the players involved in it, our guest is senior journalist, our Norlot Doraj. And he is, uh, we're dis- discussing now. Uh, Guy Philippe, who was in prison in the United States, he was let out for some reason. And within a few weeks upon his return to Haiti, he is being hailed Washington Post, New York Times, AP everywhere as uh, the leader of the opposition in Haiti. So we're discussing with Norla now some of his his criminal uh, background. Um, so Norla, he was deeply involved in all kinds of extortion, as you say, and exactly. corruption. And then how did that then lead to, you know, in, in the police force, right? 
uh, because wasn't he also uh, part of the forces in the DR, the Dominican Republic, in the lead up to the 2004 coup? Tell, no. Uh, no. No. Okay. No, no, no. This is what, in 19, uh, before the election of uh 2000, before the election of 2000, no, right after the election of 2000. So he, he according to my sources, um, he went to contact the political officer, uh, political officer at the United States Embassy in Port-au-Prince and mm. to announce that he intend to, to, to do a coup. Oh. January seventh to prevent Jabet Aisid to be uh, to be uh, uh-huh. to be president again. Uh-huh. So the because he was already involved in drugs and they don't want him to be involved in politics at the time. So they tell him they they the negotiation went bad for him. Uh-huh. So oh. He had to go in hiding in Dominican Republic along with his comrades from the Ecuadorian squad that used to be with the, the Ecuadorian squad. This is how how I call them mm-hmm. when they used to be in the police forces. So he went in hiding with his comrades and in Dominican Republic. And by the way, some of them of uh, some of his comrades. Like DDSI, Gilbert Dragon, they already they were already fired from the police force uh-huh. for being involved in in drug trafficking. So, right. so uh, he went in hiding in Republic Dominican Republic, and sometime this is where uh, some guys in Washington, especially the Republican Party. So Iwi, Stanley Luca used to go and contact him, put the project together to put him, so to develop or to open what, what we can call an army or not. So an op- and a kind of opposition, but opposition with weapons. So uh-huh. this is the project from 2001 and in 2004. He led the, the the movement that killed police officers, that destroyed um, police barracks, and you know, because at that time he couldn't he couldn't do anything. But at that time, what happened is that uh, the police force were only armed with uh, shotgun and. Shotgun and how do you call that? And thirty-eight calibers. Uh-huh. Okay, that 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 is gun shotgun and thirty-eight caliber guns. So the the the, the police force couldn't face anything. Then couldn't face a, any attack in in the in the uh, countryside or out of out of Port-au-Prince. So right now. He hasn't been able to overthrow I see it. This is the media. No, this is the media talk. So like media, mainstream media, they like if he was then. Well, well, uh, wait, well like, let's, let's get this straight then, uh, Norland. From what I understand, what you're saying is that he had approached the United States Embassy with some mm-hmm. plan 
of a coup against Aristide. So yeah. he was definitely keen to overthrow Aristide. Then yes. he basically was allegedly rebuffed. You know, who yes. knows what goes on behind the scenes. So he wound up in the in the DR along with some other corrupt former police officers. And from there, they were kind of uh, making forays into uh, Haiti, attacking uh, police stations as such. But yeah. and they they were, I mean, you know, because the news we were getting in the U.S. is that, well, there are these rebels and they are attacking police stations, et cetera, and they're going to be heading uh, to Port-au-Prince to attack the palace but uh, and, uh, and attack out of Steve. But the reality was is that there was no way that they were actually going to be able to be successful in making nope. it into into uh, Port-au-Prince to attack the mm-hmm. palace. And so Mm-mm. something else happened and Adestine was- It was a media that. frenzy. Mm-hmm. It was media frenzy. That's it. But I don't know how they go and they, they set the negotiation with Aristide. So Aristide went out of the country on, on February, uh, February 2904. Mm-hmm. So what happened right now is that the U.S. military that came to come down the situation, they don't want him in the streets to be a leader, a political leader. So they told him, hey, get get out of the streets. So yeah. he went in hiding, and when he went to become a, a president in 2006, he was a candidate. Now... They come out with the 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 council uh, the the council warrant they have for him, mm-hmm. and they put it out. So they so now he he stay in hiding. So he stay and he be, despite all kind of negotiation they had with him. From the U.S. Embassy in Puerto Rico, they 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 offer him a visa to come to the United States, so they will arrest him. No, he doesn't want to face the justice. So this is the reason why the U.S. Marshal has been able to 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 set a trap for him when he had to come to Puerto Prince to swear in as a senator. That's it. No, so he yeah. hasn't been able to swear in as a senator. Uh, he went directly to, to face justice in, in here in the United States. Then what right, happened? So, he, so sorry. So, so he was in prison in, in the U.S. I'm looking. I'm looking at time, and I want to make sure we, we get get on the key points here. He was in prison in the U.S., but he was released relatively after pleading recently. guilty. After pleading guilty, right? After pleading yeah. guilty, yeah. And so now he's not going to be public. His uh-huh. trial could not be public, so his dirty laundry could not could not be known. Right. Yeah, exactly. So he pleaded guilty, take a plea, and okay, so right now he's going back to Haiti. Doing what? So let me remind you of something. When he had to go, when he had to, when we, it was the Voice of America who started making him official, Voice of America in Washington. So they go, they announce he will be released, they do. They go inside, uh, in front of the prison. While we will be released, they do 
so many top uh, topic about him. Call him senator elected, elected senator elected. So they drop all the all the qualification, bad qualification that he had, like uh, convicted felon. Mm-hmm. They don't say that anymore. So it was Voice of America who started. Yeah, so, so the Voice of America is, started and uh-huh. and covering his activities as senator elected. Right, so and someone in Washington. That... So uh-huh. someone in Washington is 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 continuing playing with the chaos in Haiti. This is what it is. Yeah. Right, because the the fact of the matter is is that he was in prison. You said they've now dropped this uh, convicted felon and all of his previous criminal behavior, and he is being promoted now as the leader of the of the opposition. And it does seem to me as though certainly, if we look at U.S. foreign policy. Um, we often see the U.S. kind of playing both sides. We know that uh, from what we're hearing, it is um, U.S. backing that basically is keeping Ali, uh, Ariel Ali, who was never elected as president. He was appointed by uh, Jovenel Moïse before Jovenel Moïse was, uh, was killed, was assassinated, but he was never elected. He was supposed to have left office um, what was it last year, the year before? What? But he's been hanging on, and you know, a lot of people know that he, if without the backing of the U.S., he really wouldn't be able to hang on, and that the 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 civil society and the political parties on the ground that have come together to um, create a Haitian solution to the crisis facing Haiti right now has been undermined. And so on the one hand, you have Ali, who seems to be, and this is me talking, not any official voice, backed by the U.S. And now you have this um, this thug, really, um, Guy Philippe, who was part of fomenting the coup against President Aristide, now being put forward. So it seems as though you know, the powers that be have their guy in both places. One is the illegitimate president and now the other that they're promoting as the leader of the opposition. Um, listen, listen to this, Margaret. The yeah. U.S. government is promoting thugs in countries, in some countries. And they are, this is what they do. Like they do with Zelensky, the thug. They do it with, in Ukraine, thug. Uh-huh. They are promoting, they were promoting in Haiti, Michel Matelli, a thug, uh-huh. right? They were promoting Jovenel Moïse, a thug. Uh-huh. So why why will they cont- not continue to promoting thugs? Right. They're promoting thugs. Yeah. It's the thugs they want thugs to be the one that will act like dogs on the leash. Hey, do this, do that. So you feel him is a thug. So this is yeah. what it is. If if he is, let me tell you something. You are taught, you are telling something a couple of minutes a couple of minutes ago about the civil society. The civil society is dumb. Okay, because they don't afford any economic plan 
I read the proposals. I read the proposal and I said, your proposal will go nowhere since you don't put forward any economic plan to solve the situation of food in Haiti. People have no food in Haiti. So what right. are you going to do to get people food in their plate? Because the, the food insecurity leads to general insecurity. That's a simple reasoning question that they never want to sit down and to say, how are we going to solve the problem of lack of food in Haiti? Lack of food, simple. Yeah. Because yeah. people are hungry. People, a- people are hungry. And meanwhile, you have very, very well-armed bugs that are taking over ports, that are blocking streets, that are, are not allowing um, the farmers that are, are growing uh, food in the south and other parts of Haiti to get to a place where they, you know, would be to make their the the foodstuffs available to the people. So it, it seems to me as though it is really a piece of a whole. But before we leave uh, Norla at this point, because I think we get the idea of who this Guy Philippe is and why he's being promoted by the powers that be. Now, on this force that, you know, the uh, in the intro at the top of the hour, I said that the United States and France and Canada have been pushing for a few years now to have an occupying force go into Haiti, but learning their lesson, they didn't want, uh, from uh, previous occupying forces, they didn't want the occupying force to have a white face like the United States or Canada or even France. So they were looking for a black country, basically um, funded by the United States to go into Haiti and be this force. And that was supposed to be led by Kenya and they even got some of the CARICOM countries to agree to go along with this story and very upsetting to a number of people in the Caribbean region. But that being said, the Supreme Court in Kenya has now said, no, um, it's illegal. You cannot send this force to Haiti. And the same Voice of America that you just mentioned, they put out an article on January 27th, just a couple of days ago, uh, saying that the United States is now appealing again for support for this force, uh, you know, to go in. And I forget how many millions of dollars the United States was putting 640. for this force. How much? Six, um, 640 million. $640 million. So, what do you think of this situation? Because it seems as though caught between the devil and the deep blue sea, so to speak, because people are very concerned about security. And then they're also concerned about yet another occupying force uh, coming into the coming into the country. So we just uh, I, the time has flown. Norlock. we're going to have to have you back because we just have about two minutes left. Oh, no. So OK, give let us me your tell final you point thoughts blank. on all this. Yeah. Let me yeah. tell you point blank. The Haitian people can solve the situation. We have a police force. We can solve that situation. We don't need. They want us to be under the boots of other people. That's it. But if they want, if they let us doing our things, purchasing our own weapons, we don't need 640 grand. We need only 40 million. And we solve that situation easy. Okay, we don't need that much money. 
But mm-hmm. this is a money that will disperse for nothing. There will be no result because the situation is internal. There is no political economic political economy in Haiti. So there is no land reform. There is no there is no place to to get energy a population politics. Nothing. Yeah. So we need to plan for our country. Let us be independent, and we can do our things without the help of the resistance in United. Right. Right. Well, on that note, uh, Norlock, I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it there, but we will need to have you back because we have broken, you've broken quite a few uh, news stories here and very uh, very notable. We we appreciate that, uh, Norlock. And and if it's okay with you, we'll be back in touch to continue this situation. It's okay with me. All right. Okay. All right. Well, we are out. Thank you, Norla. Thank you for having me. Sure. We are out of time. We want to thank uh, the Haiti Action Committee, Pierre Labossier, for his help with uh, today's segment. If you'd like some more information on what's happening on the ground in Haiti, please go to the Haiti uh, Action um, uh, website, HaitiSolidarity.net. And you'll be able to get some more information. Um, we are out of time, so I'm going to have to leave it here. I want to thank our guest, Nolak Dorange. I'd like to thank Jose Benavides for all of his um, terrific help for today's show. Norlak, I think I think you need to go on mute. Norlak. I feel like Norlak. Narlock, okay, thank you. <laughs> Our guest was still on there. I'd like to thank Jose Benavides for all of his uh, terrific work uh, supporting uh, the show. If you'd like a copy of today's show, please contact the Pacifica Radio Archives at 1 800 7350 Go online to Pacifica Radio Archives.org. Sojourner Truth will be back on the air next Tuesday. Thank you for listening. This is your host, Margaret Prescott, and y'all please stay well and safe.